We've been looking at the truth as to how we can access uh, uh, the healing power of God and that there are different ways and that uh, I believe that those teachings that we've started out on should be very helpful uh, to you. Um, the first principle that we cannot ignore and must not deny is that healing is a part of the atonement. In fact, I appreciate the message this morning from, from uh, uh, Rach and, uh, and even uh, some, some, some of uh, the, me the message there in the tithes and offering messages, I think, sort of touched in on it. Uh, and again, then Rosemary came and uh, uh, she was in sync as well. Uh, you know, it means that Jesus died on the cross. He made salvation, that's forgiveness, uh, of sins available and also physical healing. When we say that healing is a part of the atonement, that's what we're saying. This is that Jesus made at that same, same time physical healing available uh, uh, and, and from that provision of the cross we can receive both. We can receive forgiveness and we can receive healing. And uh, not only that but deliverance as well. And I think of my, a part of my testimony is, is that uh, after I was saved I was still smoking and my friends were as well. And I still had a nicotine addiction. And the truth is, is that whatever addiction you have, God can heal you of that. Amen? God can heal you of that. And, and in other words, it's not you trying really hard to overcome that addiction. He does it. And that's my testimony with smoking, where um, I actually had one of the elders. And we were in a church where if, you know, there was even a whiff of smoke on you you would have an elder in your face. <laughs> you remember those days, uh, uh, I think Les was there in those days as well, <laughs> where you'd have someone who would challenge you about things going on and they would get in your face, get in your grill. So, and of course this particular uh, gentleman, I remember him now well, and he said to me, he says, you know, it's about time you gave up smoking. And uh, I said, oh really? And I was still, you know, a little bit, I don't know if I really like this guy telling me what to do. Uh, but, but I listened and I thought to myself, well, I've always wanted to give up smoking. And so I listened to what he said. And what he said was, don't try and give it up yourself. Pray about it. And I went, makes sense. And I thought, well, I'll, all right, I'll try that. And so my prayer to give up smoking was very, very simple. It was, God, I can't do this. Um, can you help me? You know, help me with this. I've tried before. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and I, it was the most rudimentary prayer that you could possibly pray. And, uh, and of course, I then had my, the obligatory, and I'd done this many times before, I crushed up my cigarettes and put them in the bin with disgust, you know. Great disgust. <laughs> going back and I can't because I crushed them I have to go and buy some more you know so but I did that but the amazing thing was and my testimony goes is this is, is that the next day I didn't crave cigarettes anymore in fact the nicotine addiction had been taken from me I'd been healed of that and that was just a, again just that starting testimony so if you've got addictions in your life if you've got things that are binding you, just understand God wants to deliver you from them. Now you can pray yourself or you can come down to the altar call at the end of the service and ask the Lord to do it there and then. But just understand, if you ask by faith, you're going to receive. That was my testimony.
And, um, and again, I thank the Lord that I was never drawn to smoking again after that day. Whereas before, I'd given up many, many times and always. I'd be back at that bin, getting those cigarettes back out again, finding a little cigarette paper, trying to join them together, you know, or I'd snapped them in half so I could get that nicotine. It didn't happen. It just wasn't there. It'd been delivered. Hallelujah. God's real and his power is real. Now, this is in, in, important for us to see was at the, time, the same time that forgiveness was made available, healing was made available. So whatever we have, God's not holding back on us, but we just have to know how to approach him uh, for his healing power. Healing is on the same basis as forgiveness. You know, there's not a control panel in heaven where, you know, the angels are sitting up there pushing dials and pulling levers and buttons are being pushed so you can get where it's available for us to access by faith. Amen. And um, if healing was provided at the same time that salvation was provided, then God wants us all healed as well. Part of the good news of the cross of Christ is that healing uh, uh, is being available and not just forgiveness. And I'm glad about that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 to 25. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that's the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And then it's got that great line at the end, by whose stripes you were healed. And, uh, you know, we're not waiting for God to decide to heal us, as Rosemary pointed out. If you missed uh, last week's message, I recommend that you go onto the website and download it, as we're taking the time to see that salvation and healing are provided on the same basis at the cross. You know, verses like Psalm 103 and Isaiah 53, uh, where we recognise the plan of God included healing as a truth that we New Testament believers uh, can believe to receive because it's already been provided, already there for us to access. Therefore, I'm not sitting doing nothing, waiting for the Lord to heal me, waiting for a miracle, waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can get busy receiving my healing by my faith now. And, of course, the question is, what does that busyness look like? Well, writing down the healing scriptures, writing them down, renewing your mind to what the word of God says, feeding on that, meditating on that, getting that word down into your spirit so that you can say it, so that you don't even have to uh, um, open the Bible to that scripture because you can quote it. That's the lifestyle of receiving what God has for us. And thanking the Lord that he's done it. And you now we say here that the highest expression of your faith is thanksgiving. Because what you're saying is, Lord, I believe I receive and I thank you for it. You say, oh, but, you know, you still, you know, you still got a sore foot, you know. But that's okay. I'll limp while I'm saying it. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I believe I receive my healing, you know. That's the lifestyle. Faith is always in two places. It's in the heart and in the mouth. If you can get these two aligned, the heart and mouth, you're in business. And it's kingdom business. And uh, we're called to it. We've got a little ones outside. Sorry, I just saw someone. They shouldn't be outside if they should be in church. Sorry, thanks, uh, Robin. Just to the left there. Just have a maybe go around the corner because he was just sticking in, looking in the window there. The, you know, the promise of healing can be received you know, the same way as we receive the promise of salvation. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. 
That's a lifestyle. That's how we walk it out. Now, where we got to was looking at the two ways that healing is received. We considered how God's healing power is like the two doors from which the healing power of God can flow. Uh, the first door, as we've been saying, is through faith. It's through strong faith and not weak faith. Strong faith is only moved by what God says. I say that again. Strong faith is only moved by what God says. So in other words, yeah, I've got the sore foot still, but I'm only moved by what the, you know, what the word of God says, even though I'm still limping. You say, well, you're not healed. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to join you in saying that. You can, you can be moved by what you see, but I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm going to be moved by what the word of God says. Can I get an amen? That's a lifestyle. Even, you know, you, you, you walk through whatever it is that's saying you're not until you can say, I am. Weak faith is moved by what the natural circumstances are saying. Oh, that's an impossibility. I went to three agencies and they said, no. Did you go to the fourth, believing that God would break through? No, I gave up after three. You know, I went to three banks to get a loan and they said no. Well, did you go to the fourth? <laughs> no. Well, that's, you know, the whole thing is, is that how long did you believe for? Because that's what's going to get you through. That's, you know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. So there I am in my second year of Bible college and the Lord speaks to me so very clearly because I'm getting offered a job to work in the church once I finish two years of Bible college. And they're saying, come and work for us. You know, I was starting to fit in with the team there. It was actually the graphic design team. We are putting out a newspaper. I was repping, going around to businesses, Christian businesses, and getting, you know, getting business coming into the graphic design department in the church. And they're going, you know, we need you here full time. And, uh, and I'm going, well, at this moment, I can only work in the afternoon because I'm, uh, you know, just done two years of Bible college. So I'm just working in the afternoon. That's well, when you, when you uh, finish up, Bible college, you can come work full time. You know, and I felt quite, you know, blessed by that. But the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to do third year. I want you to do the third year program. And, uh, and of course, I have to adjust my employment situation at that, at that stage. So I go out and get a taxi driver's license because <laughs> I'm going to have to do something different here if I'm going to go and do another third year. And, and just quietly, you know, Rosemary's not here. I had Rosemary's, <laughs> I had Rosemary's mum and dad in my ear. No. <laughs> You're not doing another year of Bible college. You have to get a job. You know? <laughs> You've got to get the job. You know? And so coming home from second year graduation, I've got Nana and Pop in the back of the car going, no. You know, so funny. And, I, and I, I was still finding that quite fresh and new because we were only sort of fairly new that I was being told by the, the in-laws and what we could do and what we couldn't do, you know. <laughs> God bless them. And I love, I love Nana and Pop. But. So I go out and get a taxi driver's license and it's like November of 1990. And uh, so uh, I do the taxi course. And you have to do like an obligatory taxi course and learn how to do uh, taxi driving and all that. And I start looking for a taxi to drive in December, uh, and as college finishes uh, early December, and I managed to get a day shift. Uh, 
now. Day shift is mostly picking up, you know, people taking to the shops, bringing them back. It's very, very simple, straightforward. You're just working a 12-hour shift and, and, uh, and, of course, I'm going, well, this is just too long and too many hours and I need something concentrate. And, uh, and of course, <laughs> this first taxi that I got for day shift was a clunker. I tell you, it really was. And so I was looking for better things. And uh, as, as Christmas is approaching, I go looking for a weekend night shift. Now, this is just from 6 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, uh, and I go, because uh, the way it worked, or worked then, I'm not sure how it is now, uh, you could own several taxis. And what you would do is you would give those taxis to a taxi school and they would maintain them for you and get drivers to drive them for you. And of course I was a driver. And so I went to a taxi school and, and I got this day shift. And I remember this because, because of the way he said it to me. He said it so earnestly. I went to the owner of the taxi school and I said, I'd like a weekend night shift. <laughs> and he knew I'd only been driving for about two or three weeks day shift. And Christmas is coming up and it's a busy time of the year. And so if you're working night shift, you are busy, you know, from the minute you, you know, get into the taxi, you're, you're taking calls and going here, there and everywhere. And I remember this Italian, like my nana and pop, this Italian owner of the taxi school looks at me and he goes, he gives me this look, who's going to give you a night shift? You know, it was so earnestly, it was like trying to slap the stupidness out of me or something, the way he said it to me, you know. And, um, and I said, you know, after I gathered myself at his ferocity, I said, someone will. And, uh, and he goes, well, I'm not going to give it to you, you know. No one's going to give you, you know. Like, so, so I just sort of pulled back. But I tell you what stirred in my heart was, a, was that ferocity of faith. That said, you can't tell me that I can't have that just because I'm new or I've just learned how to do day shifts, I'm going to... So that ferocity came up, so I started to look. And sure enough, they were not easy to find, but I found one. So it was a start. So I took one step of faith and took it. It was a, it was a Friday night, no, sorry, a, a Saturday night and a Sunday night. And then I said, now, I worked there for, I don't know, probably about a month or two, but when Bible college started in third year, in February, I had a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday night shift. And it was great because what I could do is I could work that weekend, the whole weekend, and be in Bible college in the morning and in the library in the afternoons. And, uh, and I thank the Lord for the grace. It was just great. I could just drop my car. It was just around the corner. I could drive around there, pick up the car, and keep it for the weekend. And it was just wonderful. But I remember the resolve when someone said, no, you can't. Because in my heart, faith rose and said, yes, you can, you know. And um, I was uh, driving that weekend night shift all the way through 1991 until graduation. I thank the Lord for that time. <clears throat> We've been seeing how faith for the promises of God is released by our saying and our praying. And you have to jump into it. It has to become lifestyle. You just can't be thinking these things. You have to be saying these things. You have to be speaking them with your mouth. And, uh, and, of course, we've seen that we must also employ patience because uh, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 6.12, you know, that it's through faith 
and patience that we inherit the promises of God. So you have to have faith, which believes and speaks, and then patience as well. And you have to employ patience. You know, you can't give up after someone saying no. Keep going, you know, and keep believing God for that, for that grace. And um, Abraham being an excellent example of strong faith, as we saw, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, over there in Romans chapter 4. And, uh, but what we've seen and what we came to was the two doors of access. And uh, if you want to just skip that up, mate. Oh, there we go. Two doors of access to divine healing. Last week, we looked at the woman with the issue of blood. If you remember rightly, Jesus is on the way to the house of Jairus. Before, uh, 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 before he could get there, up comes uh, the woman with a, uh, an illness and uh, who has been moving in faith, speaking uh, the answer, not the problem. And she comes and touches the hem of his garment and gets healed. And uh, that door is open to us. The same door that she tapped into at that moment is open to us. Healing flows from that door. Amen? And, uh, and of course, we understand that it's the door of your faith. And we'll just look at that again, just quickly, in Mark chapter 5, verse 32. And it says, And he looked around to see her who had done this thing but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction your faith See, sometimes we want to put it down to Jesus being a miracle worker and, and being able to do, you know, healing at will when, you know, he felt to. Sometimes we make the mistake of putting it down to that, that healings can be read, you know, read in the New Testament. But he said, no, it was your faith. And we looked last week at what her faith was like. We saw how Jesus made this very clear. It was her saying. It was her praying. And, uh, and of course... Her persistence as well. She was patient. The second door is by God's faith. Your faith won't hurt, but it's not essential. And we'll see that it operates best in an atmosphere of belief. Second door is God's faith. Amen? Second door is God's faith. And of course, the gifts of the Spirit. And um, now, there's more going on here with this account, and in it we see the second door as well as the first door of faith. We see both doors, and, uh, and, and we should see it, because when the woman came up behind to touch Jesus' the hem of his garment, and she received from her faith, she was on the, uh, Jesus was on the way to the house of Jairus. And, of course, you know, uh, we, we pick up that story. And we see here how the, the healing power of God for healing can happen on any day. One person receiving by faith, another one receiving by God's faith. And we've got to see the difference. It's quite interesting. People don't necessarily understand this, but when they do, it opens up and highlights for us that we shouldn't be found waiting. But we should be stepping in ourselves. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21 to 23 it says now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side a great multitude gathered at, uh, uh, to him by the sea and behold one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name and when he saw him he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying my little daughter lies at the point of death 
Come and lay your hands on her, and she may be healed, and she will live. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Great strong uh, faith being released by Jairus. Nothing wrong with what he was doing. He's speaking the end result. Do we speak the end result, or do we speak what we see? We speak the end result. We keep saying what we want, what we believe, what we're seeing. I'm going to have a weekend night shift, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you start speaking that out. What are you believing for? What's impossible to you? Start believing what is possible with God and start saying that. We should speak the end result. We skip down past a woman who gets healed by her faith and just moving along for time. Mark 5 verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, some came from the rule of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Well, hope is lost at this point. In this situation, according to those that had come from the house of Jairus, uh, there's no need to bring Jesus anymore into this situation. Now, according to these guys, the death of the girl is as far as it goes. That's it. Why, why continue with this? Too late, they say. All of us have those around us that have given an opportunity, people that will speak unbelief and make no apology for it. That's just how they live. They speak unbelief. And sometimes it's because of natural circumstances, you know, where it says, that's it, can't go any, you know, any further than this. They are moved by what they see. Even in such a drastic situation, they're still being moved by what they see. They will speak from fear and not from faith. And the Lord calls us all to live differently. So, you know, to live with that mind that's renewed to what God's word says, to be found believing and speaking it. For someone who has died, you need the gift of faith. You're needing the gift of miracles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit listed over there in 1 Corinthians 12. Operate according to God's will. But here is Jesus, the personification of God's will. You know, in Acts 10 verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Amen. So Mark 5, 36 is following along. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. In other words, the one thing that you can keep doing, even in the face of impossible circumstances, is what? Only believe. Stay with it. And Jesus pulls Jairus up. Before he could abort the power of God with the words of unbelief. God is doing a miracle here and raising the dead. An atmosphere of faith is helpful. And Jesus goes to the hometown of Nazareth and, uh, 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 and the Bible says his ability to do miracles was hindered by their unbelief. So an atmosphere of faith is very important. That's why we shouldn't miss church. An atmosphere where people are all believing that God's working in the midst, an atmosphere of people where we're all contributing to that atmosphere with our faith, coming in here with a bad attitude or, or any of those things. You want to leave that at the door and say, no, no, I want to be in an atmosphere of faith this morning. 
I want to be around people who believe like I believe. I want to participate in, the, in, in, in thanking the Lord for his presence in the midst of his people and see him do a work in the lives of others. Back to Jairus' daughter quickly. Mark chapter 5 and verse 37, it says, And he, per- he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John. Why? He didn't want the unbelief getting in. James and John, the, and, and John the brother of James. Verse 38. And then he came to the house of the ruler uh, of the synagogue and he saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child, oh, sorry, I've repeated the verse somehow. And Jesus goes in and controls the environment. I'm so glad about that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he goes in and controls the environment. We need to control the environment. Saying she's not dead, but sleeping. Hope gets restored right at that moment. But faith still needs to be released with words. Mark chapter 5 and verse 40. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, Talithakumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Miracle. Jesus comes with the, the power of God. Let's recognise in the scriptures, when we're reading the Gospels, the two doors are in operation. And you can, you can actually see whose faith is actually uh, in operation as you read. You can see whether it's someone's faith being exercised or God's faith being exercised. Miracle signs, wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You've got God, uh, God's faith um, operating. We need to make sure that we don't get the operation of the rules of those two doors mixed up. And that's where people get into confusion about healing. And of course, what the sad thing is, is that it stops them from doing what they can to receive what God has for them. Mark chapter 5, last scripture. It says, Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old, and they were overcome with great amazement. In other words, that was it. She had died, and there she, uh, she arose, and they were overcome with great amazement. Look what he says in verse 43. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. In other words, she was hungry. She hadn't eaten for a while. Give her something to eat. But notice what Jesus, Jesus wasn't looking for the crowd. He wasn't looking for, and and again, I, I love it when you can read the scriptures and see the heart of God. Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't looking for a crowd. He wasn't looking to, to, to you know, have another brochure that spoke of a healing testimony. He was looking to glorify God in the situation. And so should we. And again, this is where our motive becomes important. You know, it's not, it's not the, you know, the, um, uh, the man of God that we're trying to build. It's the God of man that we're trying to establish and, uh, and, and, and help people see that if they come to him, he has all the answers. He has all the solutions. And we can have faith uh, in his name. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray. And again, I'm calling the worship team to come forward. But I just want to just uh, uh, for us to pray. So why don't we all stand and maybe, maybe we could go out of that song, The Goodness of God, uh, Johnson. Why don't we just all stand this morning and, um, 
and, and go, out, go out with a stirring in our heart to be a people of faith that go all the way. Amen? They go all the way with our faith and our believing. And of course, as we do, we'll be a people that are receiving. So Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for an understanding of how um, healing flows and how we can access it, Father. We thank you that it does involve our faith, our believing and our speaking. We thank you, Lord, that it does involve um, uh, reaching up and, and taking your promises by faith, Father. And Lord, it does take a boldness. And Lord, we ask today, Lord, that you stir afresh our boldness to speak the word only, Father, to be a people that only believe and not be moved by what we see or hear. And we also thank you, Lord God, that you're a God of faith. Lord, that you have uh, miracles, Father God. You have uh, gifts of healing, Father God. And even those are, are released for the body of Christ, Lord, to, to tap into. We thank you for those testimonies that we have, Lord, where, where you've overtaken, Father, and uh, undertaken and overtaken us. And we've been amazed uh, like this, like Jairus was, Lord overtaken it with amazement, Lord, how you did it and how you did it just extraordinarily, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those testimonies as well. We thank you that we can receive healing via your faith, Lord. And Lord, it's got very little to do with ours. Lord, we thank you for these ways in which we can, we can access the healing power of God in our lives. And Lord, that we're mindful of them, Lord, and, uh, and grateful for them, Father. And we ask your blessing, Lord, that we would be um, that people that step up for it and step into it, Lord God. Um, again, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Lord. And as we just close with that song, just press in a little. We're going to make an invitation this morning, if, uh, particularly uh, addiction. If you have addictions this morning, I believe the Lord wants to heal you of those. So we're just going to encourage you to come on down the front um, if you're working through uh, things that have held you back, things that have bound you. I believe the Lord wants to minister into those areas this morning. We mentioned earlier that there's an invitation also to pray that prayer of salvation. So if you're with us this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and he will if you ask him, he will come into your life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you watch him come. He'll come and he will minister to you and you'll know that he's alive and well. Amen? Amen.